All right, good morning. This is Randall. The Big Ball of Twine podcast. This morning we're talking about a whole ton of stuff. <laughs> kind of have a hard time describing what we just talked about, what I just talked about. But basically it's about attachment. Today it's a beautiful morning, and you'll know why that's important. If you make it to the end, you'll know why I'm saying it's a beautiful morning, because it is. So let's strap in and see where we go. Okay, let's get going this morning. It's chilly 37 degrees and I'm noticing the sky in the east has got a warm orange glow as the sun's starting to here for us, well, Earth is rotating around in a way that allows me to see the sun. I wanted to talk today about attachment to story. We talked last time about subscribing to suffering. This is a pretty similar idea, um, just with a different flavor, I suppose. The idea of uh, attachment and how we as humans attach to story and make that story real as to justify or maybe feel us maybe make us feel secure in the world um, maybe that helps us operate in the world in a way that we feel more secure or more safe or maybe just more in denial uh, pick your poison right so uh, I wanted to talk about this because a story came to my memory that I wanted to share and then we'll go from there it's a story right but it's my story and I guess I'm sticking to it um, back about four years ago I'm coming up on five years ago now yeah five years ago uh, I went to a Buddhist retreat center, Deer Park, down in Escondido, California, to go to a five-day family retreat with my two little ones and my now ex-partner. And while I was there, learning about being silent, learning about the bell, learning about... Um, spending time in a different way than I'm used to, used to the hustle and bustle of American uh, hustle and bustle of American way of life, the go go go, and the got to do this, got to do, pay that bill, got to go to work, all of that. So it was very different. Uh, five days, and part of being in that uh, venue, part of being in that uh, situation, was we were all assigned, I guess you'd call it, a Buddhist Dharma teacher for the five days we were there. And we would have times when we would all sit together with this Dharma teacher, and we would also 
have separate time with that person. And the man that I was assigned to, um, I instantly had an, uh, an affinity for. I liked him a lot. I could see my story right away of his peacefulness and his way of seeing the world I admired right away. And still to this day, take in what he has told me in those short few days as sort of a cornerstone of the way I put my myself through the world now. So he had a pretty large effect on my story, how I tell my story to myself. And over the five days, there was a lot of silence, as a lot of Buddhist retreats have a lot of silence. Some Buddhist retreats are all silent from start to finish. This was not all silent. There were there were specific times when we were silent and specific times when talking was allowed. But as you might imagine with children, uh, that is kind of a loose concept. <laughs> they did really well, but, you know, children have needs and they're quick to tell you what they are, even if it's silent time. At some point during the weekend, the five days, I started to get angry, I guess, for for honesty's sake. I got angry, and I was getting more and more angry at how I was um, perceiving my parents. And I'm going to say these things because, A, my mom's gone, and B, my dad is perfectly fine with me telling this type of thing about him. Uh, he's he's the age he is, and he's comfortable with the way he is, and that's fine by him. And while there are still some things that he has done that has hurt me, I have felt hurt by him and his actions as a child and as an adult. I don't actually spend a lot of time um, being particularly angry about it now. So the story is pretty simple. Um, I was getting more and more angry, and I was doing a time by myself, a meditation time by myself, and I could not find a way to center myself. And I remember him saying, you know, we're not trying to stop the thoughts. We're trying to notice them. We're trying to understand and be understand them in a way not to dissect them but understand that they are part of us and to listen to what they're saying to us notice the thoughts and notice how they play out in our world as stories how they can sometimes rule us without our actual um, permission I guess you'd say they just do their own thing. So I was in this meditation, and I'm trying to sit, and I'm not comfortable, and I'm getting more and more angry, and feeling that anger. And I decided 
during that that I needed to talk to my Dharma teacher about this. I needed his guidance, I guess you could say. So I finished my sit and I went to find him. And it took, I want to say, the better part of all that morning to actually get a few minutes with him. And when we did, we went to the bell. There's a beautiful, gigantic bell there. It's got to be, I don't know, 10 feet tall and 8 feet around. And that's where we had decided to meet, is at the bell. And the process of meeting with him, I told him through my tears that I was really struggling with being angry at my parents that I was actually quite furious with them on this day for all of the teachings I got from them that I was clearly not wanted. They made that very clear. They made it very clear I was a mistake. They made it very clear that they had very little time for me and they would do the bare minimum basically. And as soon as I was able, I was to, in their words, get out. I'll breathe into that for a second. Um, because the reason I'm telling you this story is because there is healing in telling you this story. There's healing in what my Dharma teacher on that time told me. He t looked at me, and I really don't remember his words. I wish I did. I know I wrote them down in my journal. And that journal is buried among other journals, and I could go look it up. But it, his words were not necessarily the most important thing, his exact words. But the essence of what he said was something like, is it possible to love them through your attachment? Could you still be angry and still see them as... Um, humans, flawed, um, damaged, doing the best they can, um, and just, and, and could I look past that? Could I look past the idea, the stories, the notions that what they said somehow defined me? And in a moment of, like, it was like someone pulled the curtain back on the Wizard of Oz, or I said this to somebody the other day, a good friend of mine, it's as if I learned the magic in the magic trick, or I became in on the joke. Like, I knew how, I knew the secret part of the secret sauce now. I didn't know it in the depths I know it now, but I... I was stunned with what he said, and it rocked my world, changed my trajectory in the world in just a in a moment. Um, he said to me that they were just humans, and that I had attached myself to their stories. I had attached my entire being to their stories, to their notions, their ideas, their 
flawed way of seeing the world. Their entire world came down on me and I took it personally and I had not learned to see it any other way than the, the gospel according to my parents, you might say. And I stood there and I thought my knees were going to let go underneath me and I was just going to fall into the dirt. And tears were streaming down my eyes and my face. And I said to him, yes, I can, I can let this go. And even now, while I'm telling you this, I feel this incredible rush of um, peacefulness that goes through my body when I can say those words. Can I let go of something I've been holding on to for, at that time, 55 years? Since I was born, I had been given these messages and I had held on to them with a tight grip, fully attached to them, fully gripping a hold of them as if they were the truth of all times. Essentially, that was the end of the meeting. He had... Uh, other people to be with, and I had something to do. I don't remember what. And I remember kind of floating away. I don't even remember walking. I just remember getting to where I needed to be and sitting for a while. There's a ceremony um, at the very end of this morning where... I don't really need to get into the details, but there's a part where you receive a Dharma name and there's a lot more to it and it's a beautiful thing. I just don't feel the need to share that right now because it's not really part of the story. It turns out that my Dharma teacher was the man who provided this entire ceremony this, where you would receive your Dharma name. So it felt, I guess, extra special to me that I would get my Dharma name not from another Dharma teacher, but from my specific teacher for that weekend. So it felt really serendipitous, not coincidental as I don't believe in coincidence anymore. I just believe that things happen because they need to happen. So that's what needed to happen, and it happened, and that's how I know that's what needed to happen because it did. I waited for my time, and there was a certain way that this happened for every person there that got a Dharma name. When my time came up, I'm... I'm really hard of hearing in one ear. I actually don't hear anything out of my right ear. And when it's in a big room, this is in a temple room that's quite large with, of course, hardwood floors, but at least a lot of cushions and people to muffle it down. And it is not a noisy time. So at least I could somewhat hear what he was saying. And he gave me my Dharma name, which is non-attachment of the heart. 
And what he had said to me earlier was, could I let go of the story that I was carrying, that was ruling, guiding my life? Could I let go of that? Could I become non-attached to it? Could I detach from it to allow the rest of my world to go free in, in, in a way? And when he gave me my name, I maybe for the first time in my entire life felt completely and utterly seen for who I was in that moment. I don't think I had ever felt a person look at me with eyes of love and compassion and understanding in a way that he did. It's as if he, it was as if I was transparent and yet he could see everything about me. And yes, I had told him a bit of my story, but you know, three, three minutes story doesn't tell a person's life. And yet he could see in his way in that moment, he could see me for who I had been and who I had presented to him. So my Dharma name is non-attachment of the heart. I don't use that very often. I don't like, that's not something that certainly it's not part of my everyday life. It's just kind of there. But I have a piece of paper that was given to me a little part of the process in that, in that day, in that morning that I keep in a prominent place on my very small altar that has almost nothing on it. <laughs> it has a very small Buddha and my prayer beads and it has this piece of paper, this card sort of thing, folded card. And that's it. That's all that is on my tent, my my altar. Again, I felt like my knees didn't belong to me anymore, and I did not have control of them. And I was on my knees, and I was asked to stand and go back to my my cushion. <laughs> I wasn't sure I could do that. I felt stunned. I felt I felt lifted out of my. Um, well, I felt lifted out of my story. I felt as if so many things had just fallen away in that moment. As I said earlier, it moved me into another trajectory of my life that has brought me to today. This moment with the sun coming up and my walking friends out here in the morning and this crisp, cool morning that I find incredible peace in right now and choosing not to work out taking a rest day from working out today so I find myself here some five years later and a lot has changed in that five years I have allowed myself to begin to look at stories and the grasping and clinging the attachment I have had to stories over that five years. It's a constant every day, sometimes minute by minute process of noticing stories, noticing how I attach myself to them 
and how I attach myself worth myself um, just myself my the essence of myself I attach to stories and always almost well I guess stories are all from people so I can say that always it's about another person who has in whatever way whether it's uh, become a more cultural story that I've attached to based on probably at some point one person came up with that idea and it became a thing and now it's a cultural thing or one person close to me expressing something to me that I take on that I have taken on in some way uh, a good example of that would be um, well my parents and their story of course is probably the most dominant story I've taken on it is the most dominant story I took on um, and it set the stage for all the other stories to be taken personally and taken into my world. I was bullied pretty much every day from, oh, I don't know, maybe as early as the first day of kindergarten to um, well into my late 20s. Almost always taking that bullying on personally, unable to see how that was not about me and it was about the other person and taking it on piece by piece by piece as something to do with me and my my being, my essence, my reality. I remember in junior high, I had a really tough stretch of about a year and a half where there were three boys ironically, younger than me, who would bully me daily, um, sometimes physically, but always emotionally, always with their words, saying things about me, talking about me, telling people about me, making things up about me, basically. And I got locked in a locker one time and left in there for... I don't know, it sure felt like an eternity to me, but probably took 15 minutes for someone to come and open it while I banged away on the door. Um, I got pushed and shoved. I got hit a few times. I got pushed down the bleachers at a, at a basketball game from behind. I got pushed. And if I wasn't quick as lightning and able to run it out all the way down 30 sets of seats, I would have been seriously hurt probably. That was, I was not young then, I was 17 when that happened. That had been a big part of my life and that was a story that was dominant in my life, being bullied. And that's just, you know, my parents and this bullying is just part of it. There's all the cultural stories that I have believed all of the ideas about being a man, about relationships, about how politics work. All of these are stories that I've attached to. The bullying I attach to that as part of my lack of worth, part of my identity, as if I deserve to be bullied. However, there was a time, and that's the reason I brought this up, there was a moment or two or ten maybe when I was 
being bullied in junior high where I did think somehow this little sliver of light came to me that they were not picking on me personally, that they were hurting in some way. And I, I look back at that and I think, I wonder where I got that from because I didn't get it from anybody around me. I mostly kept the bullying to myself. I didn't tell my parents or my teachers. Um, just didn't seem fruitful. I didn't believe it would change because just because I told someone and they told another person not to do that, my experience was that person was going to do what they wanted to do anyway. And if that was bully me, that's what they were going to do. And that had been my experience. But in this, in this moment of sort of clarity, I guess, I, I noticed that these three boys, they were young, they were younger than me. These three boys must be hurting in some way and expressing that hurt. Now, I didn't exactly have those words. I had 13, 14-year-old boy words, but I had that little bit of like clarity, like understanding. It didn't make the bullying any easier. It didn't take the sting off of it. it didn't take the brutality away from it, but it took, it's something I notice now, and partly why I bring this up it's what I notice now is that, that that clarity, that understanding is in all of us. It has to be because, like I said, no one taught me that. It wasn't like I was watching Mr. Rogers or some TV show on PBS that was explaining um, the mysteries of the world, the mysteries of how we think about things how the brain works. It wasn't like I had been introduced to that thought in any other way than it came out of my existence. So when I look back on that, I take that as a lesson that our root, our basic being is of compassion and understanding. Our our basic way of being a human is from a place of deep understanding. That was deep understanding on my part as a little less than 100-pound 13-year-old getting his ass kicked on a daily basis, and yet I was able to find that basically out of thin air, just noticing the skies getting brighter and brighter. And I'm really enjoying that thought in the moment while I'm walking. Um, the basic essence of us is in us all the time. And I believe it is covered up on a daily basis from the time we're born. And it maybe is our biggest task. It is definitely my biggest task, my biggest, most important uh, my why right now is to understand this idea of, of thoughts and notions and ideas and how they shape me and the world around me.
how will they cause suffering, right? How they cause uh, sometimes joy, sometimes love, sometimes disappointment, loss, all the stories around everything that happens. That is my why right now, my way of moving through the world. So I think we have that in us, that place of non-attachment. And my Dharma teacher could see that in me. He could see what I could not see. He heard words that showed him where my wound was, where my deepest suffering was, and my deepest suffering was attaching, clinging, grasping, holding on too tightly, wanting something else, but not knowing how, because I was too busy gripping onto this long-standing notion that I was somehow the only person on the planet that was unlovable, that I was unworthy of being here. And I had been shown in so many ways, it had been proved to me over and over with other people's stories that that was true. And my why now is to understand why that happens and what I can do to find peace in that knowing. So that's what I do. I spend my days doing my day job and my evenings doing my side job. And when I'm playing my guitar or I'm speaking with someone who's a friend or building a relationship with someone who I would like to be a friend with or listening to other people speak, whether it's in a public forum or on TV, on the news, and I'm noticing, I'm banking it away. I'm noticing when I'm listening, when I'm observing, I'm noticing the stories, the notions and the ideas that people build their world around. I suppose, like my Dharma teacher did with me, he was able to focus solely on what I was saying and presenting to him in that moment and was able to help me see what I could not see in my words, in my story, in my vision that I had shown him in my world. Walking and listening for a moment to the birds, sound of the traffic far off in the distance, noticing, just for a moment, just noticing. Sun's getting closer to my view. There are these little birds that live around here. I don't know what they, I just call them little brown unidentifiable birds because I don't have my bird book and I'm not motivated enough to look at what they are. I think they're house finches or something. But they feed off the ground this time in the morning. And when they hold still, they basically are just, they're basically invisible. They blend in with the, their surroundings so well that I only see them when they move. So they'll fly out of the, the grass or fly out of a tree or a bush 
And they're a little bit startling because I don't see them there ahead of time. And I notice them every day. I notice their place in the world and how perfect they do their thing and how they do not attach stories to themselves. They are unable to, at least from my perspective, my understanding of how their life is, they do not attach or cling to a story of how someone thinks they should be. Their only goal is to be them. If you could say they have a goal at all, they just do them. They just do, let's say, let's say they're house finches. They're just being a house finch. And I wonder when I apply that back to myself or to any person I meet, underneath all that story, all that attachment, all that clinging and grasping to what they have been presented in their life or I have been presented with, I wonder what's under all of that. That is part of my why, is what is under all of that? Who are we without all the notions, the teachings, the stories, a part of walking through finding out if something is something that's bothering us, trying to work through it. Like I, I use that piece from Byron Katie where she says, what would you be like in this moment without this story, without this idea? What would it be like to not have that thought ever? So I wonder what would my, what is underneath all of my story? all of my attachment to notions and all the things that have been yelled at me, told to me, put on me, expressed at me, presented to me that I have accepted as true and then latched onto, who's under all of that? And I'd ask you, who's under all of that for you? What is it underneath all of that that makes you, you? And I think when I talked about that little moment of time when I had some clarity about the bullies, knowing at some level it wasn't about me, it was about their pain, I think that there's a place under all of our stories, all of our attachments that is like a house finch the house house finch's essence their basicness somewhere under all of that is my human essence my basic humanness when i attempt to strip all of that away on a daily basis all of those stories and attachments and notions and ideas when i strip those away day by day i think i get closer to why we're here what we're as humans just destined to do when we come here. If I'm able to move through these stories, I can find who I was at the very beginning and who you are. Because if I can find me, maybe I can find all of us. Maybe under that is an answer. And again, that answer is just going to be a story. So it's a process of stripping away all these stories and finding 
what lies underneath all of them and opening to the idea that something does lie under all of them because maybe there's nothing under all of the stories. Maybe that's just another story. I hardly remember why I started this today because <laughs> um, I wasn't really going to tell this entire story like I just did. Um, but that's how this process works for me. That's how and why. That is the why of these podcasts is to just is to take a walk, take a fairly brisk walk, keep my heart pumping, and share what my world looks like with you. And today that's what my world has looked like. It's been sharing about non-attachment, about letting go. It has not been easy to let go of my parents' ideas. It has been a tough, sometimes felt dangerous, fearful, scary journey to let go of their thinkings and to open up to the idea that I'm not what they think I was. I am not those things. I am I am actually, I guess, without story at some level. At, at the basic level, maybe I'm just without story. And everything you think or anyone else thinks is just their story about me. I had a recent experience with a very sweet, kind, and gentle soul who I spent two or three weeks getting to know. And I found this person to be an absolute delight to be around. We had a lot in common. We laughed. We told stories. We got to know each other. And at some point, this person um, couldn't do that anymore with me. That person had, uh, what do I want to say? trying to be gentle because I care about this person deeply, even though I knew them for a very short time, felt deeply connected with this person, and I want to be very careful with my words. This person's story was strong enough that they couldn't go on being in a friendship with me. Um, the story was so strong that the story was bigger than the willingness to continue in relationship with me and this person told me in their words essentially that in the moments that I was told that I was attached to our story we had been developing I was attached to that and felt like I got kicked in the nuts like I got just blindsided by it. I didn't see it coming. And I was afraid that I had done something or said something that had hurt this relationship. And while this person expressed their needs very well, very clearly, 
I was lost in my old story that this was about me and my not worthy to be a friend to this person. Um, you know, all that stuff kind of came up as it does. And it took me a few minutes, not very long, to step back and see that this was about this person. It wasn't about me. I had to trust that it was 100% about them because it was this person's story. It was what they were attaching to, and it was going to drive their decision. And there was no... There was no way I was going to try to convince this person otherwise. It wasn't, that's not a logical thing for me to do. I don't try to logic something out of someone's brain. They're going to think what they think and they're going to do what they do until they don't. But I felt, in the moment, I felt hurt. And then quickly after, I just felt deep compassion for this person's story and how it was playing out in this moment. And. Uh, I was not, well, I wasn't prepared for what this person had to say, but I was prepared, I believe, in the most basic part of me to see another person and see how their story was hurting them. The clinging and the grasping to something I don't necessarily know enough detail about to even guess but it was taking over this person in a way that this person could not continue on the trajectory we were on. And I want to honor that person for, first of all, taking care of their needs and my, my want, my hope for that person is that they find healing and peace because it was a beautiful moment for me to know to notice and to know for myself that I could see where this person was hurting and how it was playing out in the world and how the next day in talking with a couple of my trusted friends openly about this my sadness started to come out because I had begun to miss this person and I had a story that it could be different and through talking with them I came to the clarity that it will be different when it's different and I don't have any control over that nor do I want to control this person I want them to feel loved and cared for first of all from themselves and then from the world around them and open themselves up to the possibilities that await them when there's some clarity around these things. And I mention all of this because I was talking about how I do this on a daily basis, and sometimes the daily basis is just noticing all the stories we have on the news and how they're created and manipulated and moved around and we have no clue what's going on around us because we don't we can't rely on someone to help us do that anymore. Um, I think when I was a child, I had a belief 
that when I watched the news, I was presented with the news and I was left to do with it as I pleased. And now I believe the news is very different than that. And I don't think I'm far off in that belief. And this part of me that's on this um, a journey, maybe you might call a journey, is to understand and notice these stories. And looking back on my own stories helps me understand where I attach to them, right? Where I'm a, I'm a heart that has attached to stories. And my Dharma name being non-attachment of the heart is a way to express um, where I want to be. I want to be non-attached to stories. I want to have a heart that's open and not attached to stories. And so I mention this person because I would like that for that person. I would like the same thing for you. But for this person, I believe there's great peace in letting go of that grasping and clinging of that story. And I mean that person no disrespect at all. I'd say that in the most respectful way. And I understand why we do that. I understand what that means to a person from someone who has held on tightly to so many things. I know exactly why I did that. I needed to do that to be safe as a child. And it became how I became safe in so many different ways because I had a story that that would keep me safe when in fact it wasn't keeping me safe at all it was actually the opposite and that is the irony of what we attach to we attach to things with this underlying goal that in fact by attaching to these things we get further from that underlying goal so for me to tell that story about this person to tell you about bullying, to tell you about, um, well, parts of me, so you can have some clarity about stories. It's just to help you see and to help myself see more of how we attach to these things, how we move through this world, believing what we see and naming it and then owning it for ourselves and making it part of our personalities and part of our experience. I'm going to leave you today with a couple things. Uh, if that person who I'm speaking about is listening, I want to say that I love you very deeply and I see your pain and your suffering and I wish you joy and peace in the world and because we are all attached to each other we're all connected I am no less a tree than I am a human being I'm no less a house finch than I am a human being we're all made up of the same carbon based materials we're all attached to each other I'd say to you I am here in this journey with you and like I said, I love you deeply and I wish you all the best. And the other thing I'd like to leave with is I'd like you to 
spend a little time um, noticing something in particular. Um, I'm going to use a tree because I just happen to be walking by a tree right now. Um, a really beautiful tree with a lot of house finches on the ground. They're all scattering now. And I didn't even notice them until they started to move. Um, I think they're house finches. Um, now I'm going to have to go home and look them up. Because <laughs> I don't remember what they're called. Um, maybe black crown sparrows? Or, yeah, they're a sparrow, not a finch. They're sparrows. I'm going to remember this because I learned it not that long ago, only like 20 years ago. You know, I think I might remember something. Um, again, okay, let's use the birds as an example. I'm trying to name them. And when I give them a name, I take something away from them. When I when I try to fit them into the box that we as humans have made for those birds by calling them a name, I essentially take something away from them. I put on a story that they are a finch or a sparrow or a crow or a red-tailed hawk, or in the case of that little bird there, a little house finch, because that is a house finch I just saw. <laughs> the other ones are sparrows. Um, and there's a robin. So essentially what I'm saying is take a moment to pick something out in your day and try to see it without a name or a label. Right? A name and a label are the same thing. And notice all of the things that you put on that item. So in this case, I'm watching the sparrows. Um, on the ground because this time of day when the sun is just coming around the corner here um, the earth is rotated enough that the sun's up about five degrees now I think that's when the bugs start coming up and the sparrows and all the other birds start getting really active about eating the bugs having their lunches and dinners and whatever again listen to the story I'm trying to make them in my mind, <clears throat> makes sense. I'm trying to make them make sense in my little box of a world. So I don't really know what they're doing. If I was to be honest with you, they appear to me to be trying to eat off the ground, but I don't really know that for a fact. So notice the stories that you have. Notice about this thing, what you're looking at, and what you're actually seeing and what's there and what's not there. Morning. Good morning. I must say that is a big smile you have. <laughs> it's a beautiful day. It sure is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. So kind of threw me off target there. <laughs> I have a story that uh, it doesn't matter. That's for me. Anyway, notice the tree or the finch or the sparrow. Take a moment to notice the story that you attach. So I'm going to share something. This woman was walking towards me, and there's a huge tree, a huge um, valley oak tree, because that's the label we gave it, right? The valley oak. And that tree um, stands in the middle of this kind of park area that I walk 
through on these podcasts most of the time. And I saw this woman coming at me from a hundred yards away and I'm busy speaking to you about noticing. And I started to notice that she was looking up into this tree as she was going by the tree. I started to tell a story in my mind about what she's looking at. There's often owls in that tree. There's great horned owls that I see in that tree many mornings that I'm out walking and just noticing that she was um, looking up at the tree as she was walking by and really not just glancing, but like really looking into the tree. Like I would look for a great horned owl in that tree. She was also looking at the tree. So as, as I'm telling you to or requesting more like I'm requesting that you look at these items and and look at their story. I'm building a story at the same time about what this woman's looking at in this tree. What is she seeing? And we got closer and closer and I noticed that she had a big smile on her face. And as you may have heard, we walked by, we noticed each other and she just had the biggest smile on her face. And I'm out here a lot. And I see people smile when they're greeting each other or I'm greeting them. I don't often see them just walking with a big smile on their face. And so I felt the need to, as you heard, I felt the need to mention her smile and her response with a big, almost a skip in her step was it's a beautiful day. And it is a beautiful day. It absolutely is a beautiful day. Absolutely. A beautiful day. And I know beautiful is a story. But if I strip a lot of the story out of what's happening around me and what I see around me, it is neutral. A tree is a tree. Before it has a name, it's whatever it is. It's that thing that's big and see I can't even it's like yeah, try to try to describe a tree without using any descriptive words is kind of a difficult thing to do because that's what we do as humans. We find a way to to make our words um fit something into what we understand. Not a bad thing. Just a just what it is for humans. Not good or bad. Um, I don't remember where I was going. I'm just so lost in how beautiful it is this morning. Thank you to that woman for reminding me um, that it's a beautiful morning. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to leave you with this beautiful morning. I hope that you're having a beautiful day or a beautiful morning. And we'll catch you next time. Hey, thanks for listening today. Hope you come back. Please uh, select the follow or subscribe button on your way out. And if you have a question or comment you'd like me to know about or answer in a future podcast, send that to bbotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for dropping in. 
and we'll see you again soon. Be kind to yourself and be kind to others.